Remember that King Solomon was the son of King David. King Solomon built what became known as the first temple, which was later destroyed by the Babylonians. Second Chronicles contains 36 chapters. The first seven describe the building of that first temple. A very famous passage is in chapter 5, where the celebration that follows the opening of the temple is described. Here's a compressed version of that celebration as the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the tablets God gave Moses, was brought into the temple. The priests came out of the most holy place, and the Levites, who were the singers, all stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and then 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Now consider a passage that comes two chapters later, it describes the continued ceremonies that followed the opening of the first temple. I want to focus on the very last part of this quote. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayers and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command the locust to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We see that God is so pleased with this magnificent temple, the home of the tablets that God gave Moses, and the holy place of the Israelites, that God makes a promise. If God should ever decide to punish the Israelites with a flood or locusts, and if the Israelites then repent and humble themselves and seek God's face, then God will forgive and bless them, God will set them free from guilt and fear. Now, there are two so-called double sets of books in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and 1st and 2nd Kings. There are a lot of similarities between these two sets of paired books. The Kings books were written around 550 B.C. during the Babylonian exile, and the Chronicles were written around 450 B.C., after the exile. The Chronicles and Kings books cover a similar period of time. Much of it involves the history from King Saul, King David's father, through the exile in Babylon. 
Both sets of books focus somewhat on King David. There's a difference, though, between the Chronicles books and the King's books. Here's the major but often missed difference between the two sets of books. The Chronicle books, in a sense, clean up the reputation of the various kings of Israel. The Chronicles do this by removing some of the bad stuff, like the downside of the reign of Solomon. In the king's books, we see that he loses his way in the final years of his reign. But if you only were to read Chronicles, you would think that Solomon's time as king was a total success. This makes sense. Chronicles was written later, after the exile, when the Israelites were trying to reestablish themselves as God's chosen people. It's a period of renewal, not regret. The passages we've looked at so far come from one of the upbeat books, Second Chronicles. Let me turn to an incident that happened at the hospital where I'm a part-time chaplain. As always, I'm changing details to protect the privacy of those involved. I was called to a room because a woman was actively dying. She was about my age. She had had a stroke and a decision had been made by her daughter to let her go, let her go be with God, given the massive injury to her brain. The daughter, will call her Angela, was crying softly as she held her mother's hand. I told her that I was very sorry that she was losing her mother. Then Angela said that her mother's rented house in Boulder was filled with boxes. Everything she owned had been boxed up. She had been due to move back home to Connecticut the very next day. Angela said that she had had a sister named Claire. But Claire, who had two small children, had died in a car accident 15 years before when those kids were very small. Claire's husband was around, but he was an abusive man, and he had not had time for his own children. Angela said that Claire's mother had then moved to Colorado to raise those children. They would have preferred to move Claire's children back home to Connecticut but Claire's husband had used his parental rights to keep the children in Colorado. So this grandmother, who was now dying in our ICU, had just spent 15 years of her life raising two children 2,000 miles away from her home. We'll call this mother Mary Ann. The kids were grown now, and the grandmother had decided that, yes, she would accept Angela's offer to move back home to Connecticut and spend some time with Angela's children, who, although they were grown now, had never really gotten to know their grandmother. But then just a few days before she was due to move back, she had had a massive stroke. Angela was crying, saying that after all those years of her mother being away, she had hoped that she and her kids would have had some time with Marianne. I said that this was very sad, but it showed how deeply good her mother was. Angela's mother had taken her retirement years, when she should have been relaxing and enjoying life, and invested them in her grandkids. 
I told Angela that she could remember her mother as having done something incredibly beautiful with her life. Then Angela told me that both she and her mother were Christians, and she knew that her mother would be in heaven. But Angela would still miss her mother, still feel cheated that after all those years, she wasn't going to get some time on earth with her mother. Marianne, Angela told me, had always sought the face of God. I said, that's from Second Chronicles. Angela didn't know that. It was just that her mother had taught her when she was growing up that she should always seek out the face of God. I said that although it was indeed sad, her mother's story was very poetic. She had served her grandchildren, and right when she was done, she had found the face of God in a very literal sense. That is what we should all do with our lives. Whatever happens, whether it's good or bad, whether it's what we planned and had hoped for, or whether it's what we never dreamed in our worst nightmare could happen, we should always be seeking the face of God. That's what Mary Ann had spent 15 years doing, and she succeeded. Claire's children were grown, and Angela said they were doing great. The best part is that when we seek the face of God consistently, we will always find ourselves in the right place. That is, with God, here in this life and in the eternal life. We'll be joyous now and we'll be joyous forever. God will set us free from regret. Here's a passage from the end of Second Kings. I've abbreviated it. Remember that the King's books are the ones that give the negative side of the period of the kings. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it, and they built siege works all around it. On the ninth day of the fourth month of the famine, it was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city. The army pursued the king and overtook him, in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him to the king of Babylon, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and put out the eyes of Zedekiah, and bound him in chains, and took him to Babylon. In the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a servant of the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he burned the house of the Lord and broke down the walls around Jerusalem. First and second Kings were originally one book in the Hebrew. First Kings begins near the end of King David's reign and second Kings ends during the exile in Babylon. We see in second Kings that 410 years after the celebration that we read about in Second Chronicles, the grand temple built by King Solomon is destroyed by the Babylonians, and many of the leading citizens of Israel are sent into exile in Babylon. Does this erase the glory that we read about in Second Chronicles? 
where the first temple built by King Solomon is built and dedicated in a grand ceremony? Of course not. That temple stood for four centuries. Imagine all the generations of people who worshiped there, who found solace there, who discovered their God there. Nothing on this planet is permanent. The United States hasn't even been around yet for 250 years. As we stood by her mother as she died, Angela told me that her children had barely known their grandmother. All the while they were growing up, Mary Ann was a couple of thousand miles away with Claire's kids. Angela just felt so cheated that her kids didn't get to know their grandmother the way that Claire's kids did. Mary Ann, Angela told me, was more than just giving and kind. She was one of those very rare people who was always joyous in her giving. She never spoke of the drudgery of raising a second generation of kids. She always spoke lovingly of Claire's two children. Angela said that Marianne said that when she looked into the face of God, she saw those kids who had no father or mother. And Marianne, in that face of God, saw the incredible blessing of being chosen by God to be a mother again. Remember that although the temple that King Solomon built was destroyed after standing for over 400 years, and although the Israelites were sent into exile in Babylon, the empire of the Babylonians eventually fell. In fact, it was less than 50 years later when the Babylonians were captured and conquered by the king of Persia, Cyrus. Cyrus set the Israelites free allowing them to return to the promised land. Cyrus actually orders the Israelites to build a new temple, and they do it. The second temple was completed in about 515 BC. This is the cycle of faith in the Old Testament. It's the cycle of human history. It's the cycle of human life. Unbelievable joy followed by grinding tragedy followed by limitless joy again. Angela told me that she knew that it was far more important for her mother to have been with her sister's children. Unlike Claire's kids, Angela's kids had both a loving mother and a loving father. Angela's kids were already old enough to understand why their grandmother had never been around, why she had hardly been a part of their lives, I said to Angela that when she returned home, she should make sure that her kids are reminded of the beauty of their grandmother's life, of her incredible love. They would have cousins with memories of a stable, caring home and a loving childhood. These cousins would be on the right path in life due to their grandmother. Yes, the first temple was destroyed, but it was rebuilt. If we remain focused on the face of God, if we live for God's blessings and do not let the bad things in life break us, we will live in joy and we will never lose hope. We will know that God does indeed have a plan. And although that plan is far too complex for us to comprehend, it is a perfect plan. Never forget the words of God spoken to King Solomon 
at the dedication of the first temple, the one that stood for over 400 years. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Indeed, if we keep our eyes on the face of God, we will be free of all worry, all anxiety, all fear. We will be free. <laughs>